You're listening to A Stranger Podcast, www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual We're going to get to your calls in a second, but quickly, a new study came out this week, or last week, by the time you're listening to this, that it should come as a shock to absolutely no one. Researchers found that the states with the high religiosity, states that were very religious, also had the highest rates of teen pregnancy. I know, right? You're, everyone's minds, I can hear your minds blowing from where I am right now, even though I'm two weeks in the past by the time you're listening to this. This is not a shock, right? Because if you tell people that God's going to hate them, if they use contraception and you tell them to wait until marriage, and they're teenagers who are biologically wired to want to have sex, they are horny, they are going to do it anyway, they're going to make a virtue out of doing it without contraception because you told them that contraception was a sin and that they shouldn't use contraception. And it's more virtuous to be carried away in the moment and have the sex you didn't plan on having than it is to have premeditated sex that you went and got birth control in advance for. Anyway, an interesting uh, footnote in the study, they found that uh, states that had high rates of you know religiosity but were more liberal religious traditions had lower rates of teen pregnancy because religious people aren't always the problem, obviously. Religious people who had more liberal attitudes about human sexuality encouraged their teenagers to get, obtain, and use contraception and had therefore lower rates of teen pregnancy if their teenagers so chose as to become sexually active, which most teenagers so choose to become. This episode is brought to you by adamandeve.com, where you can find over 18,000 adult entertainment products for every lifestyle. To receive 50% off most any item, plus three adult DVDs, plus an extra gift, plus free shipping, visit adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. I'm a 21-year-old female living in Seattle. Um, Here's my problem. My boyfriend and I love anal sex. Both of us enjoy giving it and receiving it, but we haven't quite figured out how to deal with the messiness of it. We've tried anal douching, but last time we did that with him on top of me, penetrating him. When we tried to change positions, I pulled out of him, or I guess rather he pulled off of me, and some residual water from the douche spilt on my crotch. The fear of getting some of this nasty mess into my vagina kind of killed the mood, in part because of the yuck factor, and in part because of the need to run to the bathroom to clean my crotch out. Fortunately, no nasty bacterial infections came with this, mostly because my strap-on harness provided a barrier between the mess and my vagina. But I kind of feel like there's still a risk of exposure there to some sort of nasty bug that... Um, Boy, if the douche water runs out of your boyfriend at the rate, words run out of your mouth. It's a miracle you didn't drown. Sorry I had to cut you off there, but, you know, the podcast is only a half an hour or so, and i got to work myself in around the edges. All right. I hate it when a nasty mess uh, falls on my vagina, too. So I understand that that is a mood killer and it always will be. Here's how to avoid residual water from an anal douche uh, splashing out at an inconvenient moment. The mistake a lot of people make or neophytes people don't know what they're doing or didn't read Anal Pleasure and Health by Dr. Jack Morin or The Ultimate Guide to Anal Sex for Women, and there's one for men, too, by Tristan Taramino, is douching immediately before you're going to have anal sex. People think, oh, I want to be as clean as possible, so I need to douche two minutes or five minutes or ten minutes before I'm going to get my ass drilled. 
The problem is that when you introduce all that water uh, down there into your guts, it can pass up and around a fold in your intestines and sort of lodge there and then become dislodged as you're getting your ass pounded and come out at the worst possible moment, uh, like when your girlfriend's vagina is right under your ass. Um, so what you do is you do a couple of hours before you're going to uh, get your ass pounded or several hours before you're going to get your ass pounded. Uh, I guarantee you that your digestive system doesn't work at the clip that you need to worry about and getting fucked doesn't go far enough up that you need to worry about any you know shit getting down too close to uh, the business end of whatever you're stuffing up your ass. What will happen though is if you douche a few hours before and you don't just lie there perfectly still in bed for three hours waiting to get your ass hammered, but you're up and around, you're doing things, do the dishes, vacuum, whatever. As you move around, whatever additional water may be up high, trapped, uh, around a fold in your guts uh, will dislodge itself at a, a time when it's still convenient for you to go sit on the can for another moment or two. That's all you got to do. And it's funny that you should call with this question because I was just having an email exchange back and forth with a Savage Love reader about my overuse of the word douche in the column. He tells me that he reads the column out loud to his girlfriend and she hates the term douche and she says, and he tells me, she says, she wants me to stop because the term is dated and sexist. And I guess I'm a knave. I, you know, I know that there were vaginal douches that women were sort of conned into uh, flushing out their lady parts. And that's kind of what douche originally meant. But, you know, considering the milieu in which I uh, move and uh, where I'm coming from, when I hear the word douche, I don't think of – whatever they used to – I can't even think of the names for the douches anymore. There used to be commercials on TV when I was a kid for douches uh, for the lady bits. Does anyone do that anymore? I don't even think people vaginal douche anymore. When I say douche and I think of douche, I think of anal douching. I think of gay guys and straight butt fuckers and the occasional super adventurous lesbian, in which case I don't think – you know the term isn't dated or sexist when I use it. I'm not referring to vaginas and lady bits in the 70s, which was sort of the, the height of the vaginal douching uh, psychosis. Uh, I'm referring to butt-fucking and fags and adventurous straight people and uh, rear ends. And it, that douche, as I use it, is neither sexist nor dated. Thank you very much. Um, hi, Dan. I am a 17-year-old um, straight girl from Kentucky. And I'm currently a senior in high school. I go to a very conservative Catholic high school, and I am horny all the time. Like, I'm just going to come out and say that. I really, like, I know my hormones are raging, and I just want some dudes all the time. But my question is, I don't really want a boyfriend. I'm, I'm really busy. I'm in a lot of activities, but I still want that same fulfillment. I would get some boyfriend. So I, my question to you is how could I go about this without seeming like a quote-unquote what? Because, I mean, I'm in high school, and girls who do do that are perceived in that manner. And I was just hoping that you give me some help. I'm just trying to work out here what it is that you're asking me. You're 17 years old. You're in high school, Catholic school. Horny, 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 and you want to get basically no strings attached to sex because you have so many activities, uh, so much on your plate. 
so many extracurricular activities. You want no strings attached sex, but you don't want to feel like or be labeled a slut in pursuit of meaningless one-night stands to satisfy your horniness, sexual urges at 17. You know, I can't help you. There really is no way for a 17-year-old girl or anyone really or a 17-year-old boy to throw himself or herself at people without being perceived as perhaps a bit of a slut. I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's right. The perfect universe. The boys who cat around wouldn't be called studs and the girls wouldn't be called sluts. But, you know, there you go. I would encourage you to look around and see if there aren't any boys on the periphery of your social circle who would appreciate a good sexual initiation, sexual education, some experimenting, where it's not a hot and heavy boyfriend-girlfriend thing, but he's your reliable fuck buddy and you're his reliable fuck buddy, and he won't you know, run the risk of being labeled a stud when it gets out that he's fucking you, and you won't run the risk of being labeled quite a slutty, a slut when it comes out that you're fucking this guy, just this one guy. You know, you don't have to go from zero to married. Like, it's the, the choice isn't uh, abstinence and, and no sexual satisfaction uh, and no sexual activity or a hot and heavy, all-consuming, boyfriend-girlfriend, intense bond uh, relationship that excludes the possibility of any other activities or, you know, shoves everything else out of your life. You can bring somebody in around the edges where you can fit him in and enjoy him and enjoy your time together and uh, learn a little about sex in the process. But if you're going to run out there and just like bang strangers because you don't want them to interfere with cheerleading or drama club or glee club or whatever it is all your activities are, you just want to run out there at 17 and bang strangers off the internet or off the bus or off the street, you're going to get labeled a slut because you know what? That's kind of slutty. Slut? I just called you a slut. I feel terrible. But you know what? What's wrong with being a slut? We all have our slutty phases in our life. And I think instead of, you know, wanting to come up with a female empowering version of stud for girls, I think we should just call boys who slut around sluts and girls who slut around sluts. I, you know, I know that gay guys, when they have particularly promiscuous uh, stages in their young lives, refer to themselves or refer to those stages in their lives that they're slutty stage so gay guys already use the word slut in reference to themselves and each other and maybe you should just as the gay guys have embrace the term and if you're gonna act like a slut call yourself a slut there are worse things than being a slut such as being a frigid and unhappy sexually unfulfilled 17 year old high school student in kentucky i've been with a man for almost two years and uh in the past year so he's been playing a lot of uh world of warcraft i'm not sure if you've heard of it but it's a uh online game that's apparently very addictive now i've also uh played it myself and it is very addictive but uh recently my uh boyfriend has been playing it to the extent where he said no to hanging out with me, and he wants to play the to uh, play the game instead. Now, am I overreacting and saying that it's a bad thing that he's playing it instead of hanging out with me, or am I just in the right here? I'm not quite sure. Uh, any thoughts would, would be great. This is probably a stupid question. Bye bye. There's a term for a boyfriend who would rather play video games or play World of Warcraft than hang out with you. And that term is ex-boyfriend. 
He's made a choice between you and the game. He chose the game. You need to make it official and end this relationship. You're too young to be a World of Warcraft widow. Hey, Dan. I'm a straight girl in her mid-20s, and my boyfriend thinks that if I stick a finger up his ass, it's going to make him gay. And it's only him. If I stick a finger up his best friend's ass, he doesn't think that his best friend is gay. I don't really have any interest in sticking my finger up his ass, his best friend's ass, anyone's ass. I don't really uh, like anal play. kind of freaks me out a little bit, to be honest. But, you know, I'm not against it for other people who are into it. Um, but it just drives me crazy that my boyfriend is convinced that once something goes up his ass, there's like a a gay button up there, and he's just going to be magically gay. Um, I don't know if this is a cultural thing. He's African, and he's pretty severe about some things, like he doesn't masturbate. It's not really religious, um, but he just won't masturbate, and he kind of thinks that if he masturbates, he's gay too, which is, I don't know, it's ridiculous. So even though I don't really care whether or not he masturbates, and I don't really want to stick anything up his ass. This whole gay ass button theory is driving me crazy, and I just want to know if I should let it go, and I'm just being nuts, or if it's a legitimate uh, grievance. Since you don't want to stick anything up his ass, how come this is a constant topic of conversation between you two? It's not really a constant topic of conversation. It just comes up, and it kind of, like, nags me the back you know, my mind. How does it come up? You know, I, I don't want to stick my finger up my brother's ass, and so it, <laughs> we never even talk about it. Well, I think we were just talking about vibrators one night, and he was against uh, using a vibrator while we're having sex because he thinks I'm going to try to stick it up his butt. And we just had, like, this really <laughs> long conversation. You know, when someone says that, what they mean is I have an interest in that happening, potentially, and that interest scares me. So I'm going to project onto you a desire on your part to do something that I actually want done to me so I can blame you for it and alleviate myself of any responsibility for that should it ever actually happen. I can see that. He's really uptight about sex, like incredibly uptight about... Sounds like it. And that's a totally cultural thing uh, to a large extent. You know, a lot of people from... Uh, you know, places where there aren't a lot of openly gay people, not a culture of sexual openness or tolerance. Uh, you know, sometimes we get so obsessed with the religious right and our wackos here that we forget that we are a relatively uh, sexually literate, conscious, and tolerant society, right? Right. You know, he may, he may have heard about, you know, all these gay people in the West uh, and have no idea how that actually happens or how people um, become gay. And so fears the, the magic gay on-off switch that he imagines is in his butt. The gay ass button, right. Yeah, but I've actually used that uh, in the past. And some people seem to think that there's a, a lever you can flip <laughs> and it makes him gay, which is not the case. But, you know, it's not your job necessarily to disabuse him of his misconceptions about where gay people come from. What I would warn you about is someone with those kinds of misconceptions about gay people uh, usually has misconceptions about straight people and particularly right. women and uh, you know I think it's very telling that he doesn't want to use the vibrator during sex uh, not just because it might wind up in his ass but I imagine he doesn't want you using it on yourself when you're having sex with him right he's always a little he also doesn't like
like it when I touch my clit while we're having sex. I don't know. He gets Do kind of insulted about it. this guy. <laughs> he has revealed himself to be that thing that all homophobes are, which is actually femaleophobes. People who have a problem with homosexuals and are, and are afraid of homosexuals and willfully misunderstand homosexuality really have a problem with female sexuality. What scares him about gay men is that they're like women, or he perceives them to be like women, which is why he thinks the gay thing is all about being penetrated, and that being penetrated can make you gay. It makes you less masculine, less of a man. And right. so, you know, he doesn't think you should touch yourself, touch your clit during sex, because it should be all about his dick. He doesn't understand how female sexuality works any better than he understands how male homosexuality works. And, I mean, you can make a you know, 10, 20-year project of fixing him, bringing him up to speed. Right, right. But if he's really set in his ways, if he's really bigoted against gay people and women, it may be beyond your powers to get him up to speed. Okay, well, I have one question then. If he, if it's all about his dick, which I can, actually, that rings pretty true, um, why won't he masturbate? He's probably afraid that if you are a guy and you like to touch dick, that it might turn you <laughs> even if it's your own dick. Uh, you know, maybe he's up on masculinity. Maybe he regards being an adult male as, you know, that time in your life when you don't have to touch your dick anymore, when you're supposed to have a woman do that for you. Right. Maybe he regards, you know, the touching of dick like he regards the doing of laundry or the washing of dishes as women. <laughs> and he doesn't want to do women's work. I can see that. That and makes sense. I don't know how this ends well for you. Doesn't want you using your vibrator. Doesn't want you touching your clit. Does he care at all about your sexual pleasure? Do you get off when you have sex with this guy? Um, I do. Like, he'll go down on me. I and do. I come from that. I do. <laughs> Really wishy-washy. <laughs> I do, but the sex isn't as good as it could be if he didn't have such ridiculous hang-ups. Yeah, pretty much. And are you going to stand your ground and say, look, you're going to lose these hang-ups and get over your fucking self, or you're going to lose me, one or the other, and I'm going to touch my clit right now while you're fucking me. <laughs> Too bad. 75% of women need additional clitoral stimulation in order to come while they're having sex. It's not all about magic dick. I'm actually seeing him tomorrow, so maybe I will. Uh, I'm going up for the weekend, so maybe I'll lower the boom. I'll assert myself over the weekend. Yes, you must assert yourself. <laughs> and tell him that if he doesn't let you touch your clit, you are going to stick something in his ass and make him magically gay. <laughs> okay, I'll bring my vibrator, just bring, in case. Yeah, bring your vibrator. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye. Looking to spice things up in the bedroom? Fantasizing about surprising your lover with an adventurous new toy or adult movie? Well, here's an offer you won't be able to resist. Go to adamandeve.com for a limited time only. You'll get 50% off just about any item. And that's not all. There's more. You'll also receive three free adult DVDs plus a free extra gift plus free shipping on your entire order. Check out adamandeve.com today for this special offer. That's adamandeve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hi, Dan. Uh, this is Ben from Illinois. Um, I'm a 24-year-old straight man. My girlfriend and I have been together for, I guess, about two years. It's a serious relationship. Uh, we live together. We've always had a very healthy sex life. Uh, but basically, about six months ago, we were careless and we got pregnant. After a lot of thought and a lot of consideration, uh, we decided to have an abortion. Uh, we haven't had vaginal sex since which is not to say, though, that we don't have a sex life at all. Uh, we really both enjoy mutual masturbation, especially 
Um, the idea of penetration, though, is just really off-putting to her, and that fact is causing some frustration on both of our parts. I want to be understanding and patient and supportive, but at the same time, it's really hard not to feel, you know, like a little rejected. Um, and I know that she feels the same way. She doesn't want to be the one doing the rejecting either. Um, a couple of things at this point, I guess, that may or may not be worth mentioning. We're both drug and disease-free, and I'm fairly large, I guess, in my endowment. My current girlfriend and I are considering trying some new things to try to get uh, back in the saddle, I guess, as it were, including inserting toys uh, to try to work back up to it, I guess. Um, essentially, though, we're just kind of wondering what steps to take from here. Are we going the right direction? Um, maybe should we consider seeing a counselor? If so, how do we find a good one? So I just listened to your call, and I don't think the problem here is your size suddenly, if that's never been a problem with your girlfriend in the past. Okay. So I, uh, I don't think it's a physical problem that you just don't fit into her suddenly anymore, coincidentally enough, right around the time of the abortion. Yeah. Um, it sounds like there's an emotional and mental block here, and I would suggest that you both or your girlfriend see a counselor to talk about it a little bit, because clearly sex, uh, vaginal penetration now is more fraught and scary because it no longer symbolizes whatever it symbolized before, but it symbolizes, you know, this traumatic experience and the potential for a repeat if you guys should slip up again. Right. And that's why she doesn't want to go there. I mean, clearly she's not sexually shut down. Having an abortion didn't destroy her sex life. You guys are sexually active in other ways that sound gratifying, but they're not the whole ball of wax. Yeah. Um, I, I will add an addendum that we have uh, had vaginal sex since I uh, called, and it was kind of like a both. We were a little drunk kind of thing, so a little uninhibited. And it's, so that's, I think it's a, it was a positive sign, but I still think there's a little bit of a hang-up there. Like right. if we had and that's great, and that's what alcohol is there for sometimes, is to help you, yeah. you know, paper over a little uh, emotional wrinkle that you, that you want to get past. You know, sometimes yeah. you need to be de-inhibited. Uh, right. So the you know de-inhibiting effects of alcohol are a positive, not a negative. But still, you don't want to have to rely on booze forever. Right. And she probably should talk about this with someone. Have you talked about it with her? I mean, is she a ball of regret about the abortion? No, uh, I don't. I don't think so. Like we've we've talked about it a lot, and uh, we both you know agree that it was the right thing for us then, and. And I think, you know, we don't really regret having having done it, okay. but it's just... Do you really both agree that? Do, do, do you really... Are, are you really both without regret? Because her unwillingness or, or regret, you know, her... What's the word? Uh, just one second. Um, her reluctance to become right. sexually active again, uh, you know, in, in, in the way that could possibly lead to pregnancy, to me, speaks louder than her words. Like, she's telling okay. me, I have no regrets, we did the right thing, but it sounds like some part of her is shutting down and not yeah. wanting to risk a repeat. So, you know, what did you, and also another way to address this, what did you do wrong last time that led to the pregnancy, that led to the abortion? Yeah. What, what was it? You said you slipped up. What happened? Um, I don't know. We had kind of been off and on, and I, so I think she had probably not been on birth control at the time, and uh, we so got back together, and then... You were fucking her, not knowing whether or not she was on birth control, and without using any other method of 
fragrance? No. Yeah, I mean, obviously that was a really stupid thing, um, and we had always used condoms before, but I don't know. It was it was a one time, and that made the that made the difference. I mean, one I, time is all I really, it takes. Right. I, left, I learned the lesson the really hard way. So. Okay. Well. She needs to go on birth control. If birth control fucks with her, if hormonal birth control fucks with her in such a way that it interferes with her life or her sex life, you need to wrap it up. She can get an IUD. You can use an IUD and a condom, a condom and a, uh, a diaphragm. There's lots of approaches you can use. One way, perhaps, to reassure her about not having to have a repeat of what may have been a more traumatic experience than she's letting on mm-hmm. is for you to take responsibility for the birth control in a way that you did not Right. Last time. Right. Which means yeah. you make the appointment at Planned Parenthood for the both of you. You research the options and lay them out for her, for the both of you, that you can both use. Uh, condoms for you, IUDs, diaphragms, hormonal birth control for her. And you come up with a game plan that will really reassure her that you are more conscious now of the risks of, of pregnancy and are taking some responsibility for what you are 50% responsible for putting her through emotionally. Yeah, I understand. At, at this point, though, um, what, do you have any suggestions or recommendations on how to find a professional? This something, it seems like something you're recommending. Go so. to PlannedParenthood.org and find the Planned Parenthood office near you and make an appointment to go in and see a counselor. Okay. And really open up. Talk to the counselor about what happened. Talk to the counselor about the abortion and talk to the counselor about what you guys can do to make vaginal intercourse uh, what it should be for you again, which is you know risk-free and pleasurable and about your sexual and emotional bond and, and free from the emotional baggage of this bad experience. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. You're welcome. Hey, Dan. My name's Katie. I'm 22. I'm in Alaska. I, uh, I broke up with this guy in July, and I miss him like crazy, and I feel pretty stupid for it. Um, we were together for about a year and a half. We met in a little town up here in Alaska, and uh, we moved back to his hometown in Colorado. We were there for almost a year, and then we moved back to Alaska for me to go to grad school. And that year that we were in Colorado together was probably the best year of my life, except every once in a while we would get really drunk and um, things would get pretty rough. He would get verbally abusive and yell at me and say terrible things, and I would do the same back. And this didn't happen every time, but a few times it would escalate into physical violence on both parts. Um, I like, I'd like to think that he started everything, but alcohol definitely played a role. So I'm not positive if he did, but I think he did. And he, he's a lot bigger than me. And and he he pretty seriously um, hurt me a few times. Uh, I mean, not like broken bones or anything, but he choked me. And it's, it's, anyway, um, that's beside the point, I guess. Um, anyway, so so we had this great relationship, except for these awful, awful, awful things. And and I broke up with him in July. And I because of because of the the verbal abuse more than anything. And and I don't know why, but I'm I'm starting to miss him, or at least I'm starting to miss the relationship. I, I know that he's not the right guy for me, and I know that, and I know that our relationship wasn't a good thing. But but I don't know. But like I said, I just miss him, and and I feel stupid, and I can't. I don't know. I can't really articulate very well. 
how I feel about it. I'm trying so hard to get my shit back together and to go on, but I can't. I can't really get my mind off of him or how well things were most of the time when we were together. And like I said, I know that he's not the guy for me. And I know that things weren't good in a lot of ways, but I just, I just, I just do. I just miss him. And I don't want to, I want to know how to stop or, I don't know. I mean, this is, this is kind of sad and pathetic, but if you have like any suggestions or like what kind of, if I'm going to talk to a counselor, what kind of counselor to talk to or anything. So I don't know if you, if you could just give me a call back and let me know. I'd really appreciate it. (laughs) Sorry for getting soggy and crying on you, Dan. You know, you need to give yourself permission to miss him. It is okay to be sad about the end of this relationship. It is okay. It is understandable. It is permissible. It is legitimate for you to miss this guy. And you should grieve. And it sounds like you are grieving, but it sounds like you're not really giving yourself permission to sincerely grieve and to not put yourself on the rack about it. It sounds like you feel sad and you miss him. And then you start beating yourself up for feeling sad and missing him because you shouldn't feel sad and miss him because he was abusive, blah, blah, blah. And you get into this feedback loop that's driving you crazy. You have my permission, the world's permission, God's permission, any decent counselor in the world's permission to miss this guy and miss what you had with him. And then that's what you need to focus on as you climb out of this emotionally. You miss him and that's legit. What you miss more is you miss what you had with him and you can have that with someone else and you will have that with someone else. You'll have the good stuff sometime down the road with someone else. Where you're at right now is you're, 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 you're telling yourself or you're feeling perhaps subconsciously that this was your one shot, that what was great about him and what was great about you two together, you can never have with someone else. And so you may be doubting yourself for ditching him, for getting rid of him, because however bad it was when it was bad, you suspect somehow that you'll never have how good it was when it was good again ever with anyone else. And you need to tell yourself every day that that is not true, that that is a lie, that your mind is telling yourself, and that is the cancer you need to rip out. That is what you need to say to yourself, no, I'm not going to go there. You can grieve. You have to give yourself permission to be sad, to miss him, to miss what worked, to miss what was good without doing that other thing. And you'll get there. You know, even if the relationship was terrific and you guys parted ways, not because you both had a problem with drinking, you both had a problem with physical violence, he had a problem with verbal abuse, and, and, you know, he was bigger and stronger, as they say in Man of La Mancha, whether the pitcher hits the stone or the stone hits the pitcher, it's bad for the pitcher. Again, even if everything was terrific and it was just circumstance and fate that pulled you apart, you would be feeling what you're feeling now. You would be feeling sad. You would be upset. These are legitimate feelings. And you you have to, whether the relationship ended in, uh, with no one at fault uh, and you parted as friends or the relationship ended with all this negativity and drama and abuse, you would need you to give yourself permission to feel what you're going to feel and burn your way through it so that you can set yourself up to have another relationship once you've recovered from your previous relationship. Everybody has to go through that, whether they break up 
in, for good reasons and part as friends or whether they break up because there's too much drama in the relationship uh, isn't going to work even if you could stay together. And there is no magic bullet. There are no magic words. There's no spell. There's no waving a wand to make all the pain and hurt go away. But you need, again, to tell yourself every day that it is okay to miss him. It is okay to grieve the relationship. It is okay to look back and see what worked about it and what was good about it and valuable about it and what satisfied you about it. And remind yourself when you look at those good things, remind yourself of the bad things and then tell yourself that what you had with him that worked, you can have with someone else. He wasn't the only guy on the planet or even the only guy in Alaska that you can have all that good stuff with. And if you find another guy, a good guy, you can have the good stuff again without the bad stuff. Hi, Dan. Uh, I'm a bisexual male uh, from Wisconsin, and I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, My first one is uh, I've been with a guy for about six years now, and everything's going great except for I have a few issues with the way he would like to have sex. because he likes to be, wow, I guess, dominated and held down and forced and all that other stuff. And I'm really not at ease with that because when we first started dating in the first six months, he was pretty much forced to give a guy a blowjob because he was too afraid that he would tell his parents that he was gay. And that has kind of put a damper on things for him for a while, and I'm still not at ease um, with doing that. Let me see if I follow. You don't want to have the sex that your boyfriend wants to have. You don't want to do the things that turn him on, dominating him, because he was forced to give a blowjob once uh, against his will. All righty. That's retarded. (laughs) Pardon me. That's leotarded. Uh, there are plenty of people out there who like to be dominated who were never forced to give a blowjob. And there are people out there who had experienced sexual abuse in their pasts who coincidentally or not coincidentally uh, enjoy uh, power play in the bedroom. It's not up to you to decide whether this is a healthy thing for your boyfriend uh, to enjoy or pursue. It's kind of up to him. If he can incorporate uh, power play into his sex life in a way that's healthy and fulfilling and isn't ripping off scabs and doing him tons of emotional or psychological damage, he should have a right to go do the things that he enjoys. It would be a terrible thing if these were the things sexually he enjoys, completely irrespective of this one incident, this one moment of sexual abuse, and he denied them himself all his life or they were denied to him all his life by his partner because of what that abuser did to him. That's really the abuser being allowed to abuse him throughout his life by denying him sexual pleasure throughout his life. Because why? Because you're worried? Because you're worried about the origins of his turn-ons? You know, we can't know really ultimately why anyone is turned on by anything. We can theorize and we can make leaps and guesses and jumps, but, you know, just spanking. There are people out there who say, oh, I'm into spanking because I was spanked as a child. And for every one of those, there are people out there who say, oh, I'm into spanking because I wasn't spanked as a child. Why ask why? What you should be asking is, irrespective of that one uh, incident of rape, can he enjoy the things that he enjoys in bed without 
doing himself damage. Is it harmful or not? That's the only question that you should be asking. You shouldn't be looking back over his whole sexual history and deciding for him that the things that he enjoys are not healthy. All right, we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a call for a future program, 206-201-2720. You download us every week at www.thestranger.com. I blog every day at slog.thestranger.com where you can read the Savage Love Letter of the Day. And me and the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.